I said it at first service, I will say it again. Thank you, Southwestern. That was amazing. That was amazing. I mean, the quality of the music, it was clear and evident that you have spent a lot of time and passion putting all this together. It transported us to the throne room of God, right? We are, what, what is it that uh, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand, that, that heaven isn't just uh, something that we get to look forward to in the future. We get to experience it here and then now. We just experienced it. I mean, like, let's pack it up and go home. That was great. Oh, man. Loved it. Okay, first things first. I'll acknowledge again, I did it at first service. Doing it for third. I forgot to wear a tie, and I'm sorry. There it is. I know it's going to bother someone. I know there's an email that's going to be written at some point. I'm sorry. I forgot to wear a tie. It's my bad. With the whole thing this morning, and for those of you that don't know me, I'm a little bit of a spacey person to try really hard to be organized and concrete sequential, but it just does not come naturally to me. And so it just, it did not happen. Okay. Uh, good morning. morning. Or afternoon, right? Is it, what is it? Hello. I thought I'd start off by introducing myself a little. There are some of you that uh, I don't know, so I can only assume that there are those of you that don't know me. So my name is Jonathan Coker. I'm a teacher at Chisholm Trail Academy, and I have been a member of this church for well over 20 years. Gasp, someone, what? He looks too young. It's impossible. Oh, thank you. I've attended every school in our community, KAES, KISD, CTA, and Southwestern. I've graduated from most of them, too. Yeah, that's the amen part. Uh, so uh, I've also graduated from Andrews University, where I earned my Master's of Divinity, same degree that all the pastors have. So naturally, I went into teaching right thereafter. Makes sense, right? It's logical. Yeah, amen. Thank you. There's a principal out there. There you go. Amen. I also uh, volunteer a good portion of my time working with uh, our middle service or second service, Elevate. I'm part of the lead team and have been a part of that for well over, I don't know, six or seven years, a long time. Good long, good long while. But none of this. No degree, no record of service can accurately and truthfully convey my most important credential. Many years ago on the shores of Camp Yorktown Bay, I heard a story about this person named Jesus. It was a story I had likely heard many times before, but on that morning I heard it differently and discovered the person Jesus and have been spending the rest of my life chasing after him, trying to know him and understand him better. It is this credential and this credential alone that qualifies me to stand here in front of you today. And it was during my adventures with Jesus that I discovered the message that I want to share with you today. We have been sojourning through the little forgotten books of the Bible. There are 66 and we spend most of our time in just a few. There's so much wisdom to be gathered from some of these books that we overlook 
so much low-hanging fruit. I think you'll agree with me today after we read through this letter, there's quite a lot for us to ponder on here. But before we do, I wanna remind all of you that I consider myself a part of this community and everything I have to say this morning comes from my heart, which is full of love for all of you. <sighs> it's a message of family. It is a message of trust, of reconciliation, and peace that I came to share with you today. <clears throat> this message is found in one of the smallest and most forgotten books of the Bible. It is a letter, actually, the book of Philemon. So if you want to follow along with me, you know, uh, feel free to. Uh, if you're in the classic version of the Bible, uh, it's before Hebrews, so if you get to Hebrews, you're going to want to back up there a little bit. It's real easy to, uh, to skim right past it. Uh, so we're looking up the book of Philemon. No chapter needs to be mentioned when we talk about the book of Philemon, because there's only the one. And while you're looking it up, I want to give you just a little bit of context. It is a letter, as I mentioned before a letter written by Paul to a very small church that actually meets inside of someone's house, okay? If you are meeting for church inside of someone's house, this is a small church. I know we often like to talk about how small our community is. No, 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 no. Everyone knows everyone intimately in this house. You know all about this person. You know all their good traits and their bad traits. You know, everyone knows everyone in the house. Uh, sorry, in Philemon's house, or the church that meets in Philemon's house. See, I could get it right. Just stick to the manuscript. Just read it. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. Uh, this is important, and we'll keep it in mind because it, these, uh, these details that we're going to read through will be clearer as we continue to read through the story and uh, as it unfolds. Uh, before we take a look, at uh, the uh, actual scripture, I'm just gonna offer a little prayer, if that's all right with you guys. Good morning, Father. As we try to attempt to understand these passages, I wanna ask that you would help us to interpret them clearly and accurately, that you would rest the Holy Spirit upon us in this place. We are striving and endeavoring to understand you and the role that you have set aside for us better. Uh, so we ask for your help this morning, and we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Do we have it? Can we put it up on the... There it is. Starts off like this. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. So there are actually two different authors involved in the writing of this. It is very much Paul's letter, but it's also very much Timothy's letter. Timothy is quite likely the guy that's actually writing this down. Paul, at this point in his life, is old. Uh, every time, now and then, he'll like write part of it with his own hand. You'll see in other letters, he'll mention how he's writing parts of it with his own. He has bad eyesight. And so Timothy is like his scribe. He's writing these things. Paul and Timothy are together. They're writing this letter, and he says it's addressed to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that meets in your home. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. 
It's a pretty standard introduction for Paul, but I do want to point out something. In the course of essentially one sentence, Paul has mentioned the bond of family, friendship, and ministry about six times, depending on how you want to count it. I can hear the air conditioner. Are you just, you're looking at it, you can, oh, okay, all right, you're there, you're alive, all right, it's good. Have you ever, uh, have you ever received a phone call from your mother in which she mentioned something in the first breath six times? I have. <laughs> no, no chuckle, nobody else, I'm alone in this. All right, that's fine. Ah, maybe you're the one that makes the phone call now, that's fine. You mentioned something six times, and the reason you mention it six times is because you're afraid that the person listening missed it or misunderstood it. He's stressing this bond of family. Paul wants the church that meets in Phil's house to remember their close connection to each other, to each other and to Paul, because it may be that they have forgotten or misunderstood it. Who are we without our close connection through community? It is through unity in the body of Christ that we are able to meet the challenge of sharing the gospel message. Maybe this church is struggling with unity, and maybe that struggle is the reason for this letter. We're not sure. It's just a little bit of an illusion. Maybe I'm reading into the text. We'll keep reading. The passage continues on verse 4. I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Ooh, that's a nice thing to have somebody say about you, right? Yeah, it is. It kind of makes you feel all warm and fuzzy. Yeah, the shoe hasn't dropped yet. Hold on. Because I hear about your love for his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Another nice thing to say. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective. Ooh, lost my spot. Sorry. There. May be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Did you catch the part where he mentions how the sharing of your faith can deepen your own understanding of Jesus? Did you catch it? Do you see that? Oh, yeah, I want to hear an amen out there. I want to hear several. There, there is a blessing that we get when we share our faith with someone. It deepens not only the understanding of the person uh, that, is, uh, that we're sharing our faith to or with, but also our own as well. Have you shared your faith with someone recently? And I don't mean, did you say the name of Jesus, which is perfectly good and proper, but I mean, did you share the hope that you have in Jesus through your smile, through your laugh, through your tone of voice, through your cheerful giving? It might be important for a group that claims to have a good news to share it. This church that meets in Philemon's house might have a faith-sharing problem. Paul has mentioned some really nice things about the church that meets at Philemon's house. He goes on in verse 7 and he says, Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Wow. Man, I love that. It really does humble me. Every time I hear it, I'm like, man, I wish uh, that, that's great. That's the goal, right? You want people to be saying that about you. I want, I want for that to be true if somebody were to, to have said that of me. But Paul hasn't mentioned the reason why he's writing the letter yet. He's alluded to it, but the shoe hasn't dropped, and it comes in the next verse. Here it comes. He says, listen, everybody. By, oh, oh, by the way, by the way, everyone 
that meets at Philemon's house is hearing this letter read out loud in real time. Ooh, you feel the awkwardness? The shoe hasn't dropped yet, but you know it's about to get good. So they all lean in. They want to hear what Paul has to say, right? If Paul had written a, a letter to the church of uh, 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 King, we would all lean in at this point. Ooh, what's he got to say? Therefore, ooh, and this is a dangerous word for Paul. Every time he says, therefore, you know a hammer is about to be dropped. You know the tea is about to be spilled everywhere. And don't worry, the teas in my metaphors are always decaffeinated. So you're good. There you go. Therefore, although in Christ I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. Ooh, that's a mouthful, right? And he does, he does have that authority. Is, that, am, am I, is he wrong? He could be bold in Christ and order them to do it. He's the Apostle Paul. He could do that, right? No? Just a little head nod. Just a little murmur. Just a little, yeah, I'm following along. Something up there. Yeah. I'm used to my classroom. I should have been interrupted about 16 times with a request to go to the bathroom. Ah. He says, yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. Preferring to use his family ties instead of this uh, authority. It says, none other than Paul, an old man and now a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus. Boom. The moment that's read out loud, the whole room got real awkward. They know Onesimus. They know who he is. Everybody knows who he is. It's a small church. There's nobody hearing this letter read out loud that says, oh, please pause for a second. Who's Onesimus? I don't remember. Everybody knows what's going on here. Are you following me? Are you with me, church? Oh, good. All right, we're warmed up. <sighs> Did he also mention chains? Did you hear something about chains in there? Hmm. Chains for the gospel. He also mentioned how old he is. Mm. He's got the authority to command us, but instead, he's asking out of love, how can we say no? Yeah, going back to that phone call you get from your mom or the phone call that you now make. Now listen, I want for you to do something, but I'm not going to tell you to do it. I just, I just, I just want you to do it out of the kindness of your heart. Have you ever got one of these phone calls? Any one of these conversations with your parents before? Oh, you know it's over. You know it's over. You Just out of the kindness of your heart, right? Is there really a choice at this point? I mean, yes, there's a choice. But I mean, what is the best, uh, what, what the best decision here is, has been made clear by Paul. And to add insult to injury, it's quite likely that Onesimus may have been the one that delivered the letter. Oh, he's probably standing in the room off in the corner as it's read out loud. Can you imagine him standing there? Hmm. It's a tense moment. You see, this is old Paul writing this letter. Younger Paul actually made the same kind of mistake. So he knows what he's talking about. Paul was a very passionate man. That's to say the least, okay? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you for nodding your head and laughing. That, that makes me feel good. You know what I'm talking about. Very passionate, and he was accustomed to leaning on commanding instead of loving. 
When he was younger, after his conversion, but still many years prior to writing this letter, he had made a mistake. He made the mistake of being right and still pushing people away. You see, Paul learned the hard way that you can believe all the right things. You can believe in the right day to go to church. You can believe in the right state of the dead. You can believe in all the doctrines and still push someone out of those back doors. Mercy, mercy's right. Verse always humbles me. Just because you believe the right things doesn't mean you care about people. We do well to remember that the Pharisees thought they believed all the right things and hated Jesus. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Let's put a pin in that portion. Let's continue on reading uh, through our passage. Uh, We'll pick back up in the middle of 10. Yeah, it's up there on the wall. Uh, He says, who became my son while in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's become useful both to you and to me. Onesimus was a member of their community in some way, and it appears that Onesimus caused some genuine harm while he was there. Okay? Yeah. They had real beef with Onesimus. He really did do something out of line. This wasn't nothing. They believed they were in the right to cut ties with him because of his actions. Oh, but we've never done this, right? Right, church? We've never sent someone packing out of our back doors the whole time feeling justified in our actions to not officially, now I'm not talking about officially disfellowshipping somebody, but maybe ostracizing them in some way from our community. You know, there are a lot of ways to let someone know that they're not welcome. It also seems that Onesimus didn't have an encounter with the gospel message until after he left Phil's church. You telling me that people have got to leave the church to find Jesus now? There had better be a mercy in the room. It's a good thing this letter wasn't addressed to some other church or the sermon might start to feel a little awkward right now. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. This is a different Onesimus. He's changed. His faith makes him useful to Paul and to the church that meets at Phil's house. But he had to leave in order to experience that change. Why are people having to leave the church in order to experience grace? It seems to me that the church is supposed to be the only place where you can go to experience grace. But it also seems to be that there's just not quite enough of it here. There must have been some who thought they were justified in their treatment of Onesimus. No, there must have been several someones that thought they were justified. The letter does allude that Onesimus stole something before leaving, but we can we we can't. But can we ever be truly justified in cutting someone off from grace, from the grace of, of, of belonging to our community? Perhaps I'm wrong, but maybe this sermon 
can, can simply act as the beginning of wisdom, the start of a conversation about what kind of a church we want to be. Are we happy with someone walking through our doors and being pushed out without experiencing true community? Grace and acceptance. And I'm not talking about the measures that we take to protect our children from someone that may harm them. I'm talking about the other 99%. I'm talking about the people that simply don't feel welcome. What is our goal? What will be the legacy of the Keen Seventh-day Adventist Church? We get to decide that. Let's go back to the text for a minute. I'm sending him who is my very heart back to you. He is using those family terms again, reminding the audience listening to the letter uh, being read out loud that they're all a part of the same family now. There isn't other. There isn't other. We're all together. We're all in the same boat, right? Your part of the boat might be better than my part of the boat, but if the boat is sinking, we all have a problem. Are you with me? <sighs> I would have liked to have kept him here so that he could take your place in helping me while I'm in chains for the gospel. Ouch, that's got to sting a little. They should have been the ones caring for Paul. But it's Onesimus who's been by his side, just another clue to, to, to tell you as to the status of the heart or, or, or the character of the people that are meeting in Philemon's house. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. Sorry, verse 14. I keep forgetting to give the verses. It's my bad. So that any favor you do would not be seen forced, but be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever. Not forever as in until he dies, but forever. No longer as a slave no longer as an ostracized member of the community, but better as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and a brother in the Lord. Do you hear the subtext? Is it coming through? Is it clear? This all leaves us with a question. Who is our modern day Onesimus? Who can walk through our doors and not be welcome here? To those that have been members as long or longer than I have, I have questions for you this morning, for this afternoon. Ah, the first service is stuck in my head, sorry. Have you welcomed anyone you didn't know to your church today? Have you invited anyone over for a nice socially distant Sabbath lunch. Truth is, many if not most of us can identify with both Onesimus and the church that meets at Phil's house. The truth is, we are all Onesimus and we are all that church. Perhaps what we need to do is reread the letter as if it were addressed to the King Seventh-day Adventist Church. Who here among us that today uh, uh, can, can identify with what's happening in this letter. I love this community. I started this sermon with that, right? I love this community and I love this church. I bleed CTA blue and this community is a part of my DNA. So understand me, understand that what 
that what, what I say next comes imbued with that spirit. Church, we are not ready. We are not ready to accept back our Onesimuses, but we can be. But we can be. And this transformation that I'm, this is the transformation that Jesus is talking about. When he's talking about transformation of the heart, this is what he's referring to. A transformation of our heart that works in such a way that I wasn't hospitable before, but I am now. I wasn't inviting people, but I am now. I wasn't thinking of the other people that were around me, but I am now. So I ask you, I ask you to consider who that person is, both corporately and personally. And I don't have anyone in particular in mind. If you think that I'm like driving at something, I'm not. And I am including myself in this. I am a member of this community. Remember? Okay. We're all in the same boat. Remember? Okay. Consider the person and bring them back into this community, to this church, into your home, and into your life. Share your faith and watch as the blessings of heaven pour out on you and everyone else around you. I didn't come here this morning to beat down on my church, but to lift it up. I did not come here to command you to do what you ought to do. Instead, I come here the same as Paul approached the, the church that meets at Philemon's house. I appeal to you on the basis of love, grace, and peace to you, church family.